So welcome back to our continuation of uh, uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 12, Chapter 1, which describes or is a list of the dynasties of Kali Yuga. And uh, we have gotten, uh, we've just been up to text 6 through 8, which uh, if you were here the last time, uh, most of this are just lists of names, very few purports of the different uh, dynasties going through that. And uh, I thought what we would do to make things a little more interesting is to go back to the first canto because it's describing, uh, you know, what happens then when Kali Yuga begins. And in the, we're sort of going back to things that were covered in the first canto when we get a description about how Maharaj Prikshit received the age of Kali and what happens. So we were on uh, 6 through 8. Uh, and by the way, with these, these verses, I'm not going to chant the Sanskrit unless there's something there other than the list of names and a few things like that. Uh, and so we'll pick up again with 638 because I want to go back again to the first canto and continue a little bit of discussion about the uh, symptoms of Kali Yuga uh, and then the uh, dialogue between uh, uh, the earth in the form of uh, a cow uh, and the Dharma in the form of a bull uh, have a dialogue and the earth is lamenting. And then we'll talk a little bit about the symptoms of Kali Yuga, which we know all too well, but by our own experience. But we may not recognize them. We think it's progress sometimes when it's just the opposite. So we'll continue with 6 or 8. Let me just say, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya and by the way, in the sequence, we're going to get up to <coughs> recognizable history uh, f for us because some of this stuff now is prehistoric, that is before there's any written record. And then some of the other history have is what, what historians call legends. Uh, in, in other words, there's no contemporary writings about it, only you hear testimony from afterwards. Uh, it's, it's carried down through oral transmission, and at a certain point, people record it, and so th they, they usually refer to these things as legends, uh, whether they're accurate or not. Well, they're judging past memories by our own. That's one reason to doubt them. And then also, when people receive a narration and the times have changed, they may fit it into their own framework and then alter it a little bit. What we're going to talk about today, there's actually four different versions, you know, one Buddhist, one Jain, one Hinduist, it's like that kind of a thing. So, different eye takes on the thing. So, anyway, six through eight, uh, describing this section of kings, goes uh, this, this succession of kings. Ajay, six through eight, Ajay will father a second. Nandi Varjana, whose son will be Maha Nandi, or best of the Kurus, these ten kings of the Shishunaga dynasty, 
will rule the earth for a total of 360 years during the age of Kali. My dear Parikshit, King Mahanandi will father a very powerful son in the womb of a Shudra woman. He will be known as Nanda and will be the master of millions of soldiers and fabulous wealth. He will wreak havoc among the Kshatriyas and from that time onward, virtually all kings will be irreligious Shudras. So here's where you really see things come in with this king, Nanda, whose minister was Chanakya Pandit, uh, identified with Kautilya, the author of the Artha Shastras, the uh, political science books of the ancient world. Well, anyway, we'll see what happens. So now it's talking about what's, what's happened in, in uh, uh, Kali Yuga. And our little purport in the BBT, short purport, just says the uh, transcendental system of government collapsed and unauthorized, uncivilized men gradually took the reins of power. So we're going to talk a little bit again uh, what happened. So when Maharaj Parikshit was here, Kali appeared and he shows up in the Bhagavatam as the, the personality of Kali. Uh, and there's the story uh, which we, uh, we find out uh, in uh, Canto 1, Chapter 16, 10. It says that when, while Maharaj Prikshit was residing in the capital of the Kuru Empire, the symptoms of the age of college began to infiltrate within the jurisdiction of his state. When he learned about this, he did not think the matter very palatable. That is tasty. <laughs> uh, this did, however, give him a chance to fight. He took his bow and arrow and prepared himself for uh, uh, military activities. And then uh, the symptoms of Kali Prabhupada says in the purport here are the uh, you know, four regulative principles that are against these. That is, what he says, illicit connection with women, that is to say sex out of sight or marriage, meat-eating, intoxication, and gambling. And these things have infiltrated more and more and more. Uh, I remember, I mean, when I was uh, younger, there was practically no legal gambling in the United States, but then casinos became all over. And if you now, you look at what hedge funds are doing, they're all gambling on the stock market. A hedge fund means you bet, and you're making, you're placing bets whether the stocks are gonna go up and whether they're gonna go down. Uh, and you can short sell or, uh, uh, keep the stocks or sell them short, and, and either case with the up or down you make money. And then there's massive cheating, as we've discovered, where people get insider information whether a company is going to have some new product that's going to work, or a medical company, some something that's it's going to uh, cure a disease or not, and whether the stock when they make the announcement. So how people can, these hedge funds can get insider information all the time and all this other stuff. It's all gambling. It's all gambling. And when there's gambling, there's cheating. Uh, uh, so anyway, that's these things, these symptoms showed up 
so Prabhupada says here, it is no argument that in the age of Kali such symptoms are predestined. If so, then why was there preparation for fighting out such symptoms? This is Maharaj Prikshit. Uh, such arguments are offered by lazy and unfortunate men. Remember, this is the first canto now. Prabhupada wrote this while he was still in India. He had no direct experience of America or the, or the Western world at all. Uh, then he goes on, in the rainy season, rain is predestined, yet the people take precautions to protect themselves. Similarly, in the age of Kali, the symptoms as above mentioned are sure to infiltrate in social life, but is the duty of the state, notice this part, it is the duty of the state to save the citizens from the association of the agents of the age of Kali. Now, mostly the states are furthering them, or they are themselves bad kings or bad rulers. Maharaj Pariksit wanted to publish the miscreants and dwelling in the symptoms of Kali and thus save the innocent citizens who were pure in habit by culture of religion. It is the duty of the kings to give such protection. And Maharaj was perfectly, Prikshit was perfectly right and he prepared himself to fight. So Prabhupada's statement here is that he says in the Bhagavatam elsewhere that the state can be secular in the sense that it cannot favor any particular religion. But the general principles of religion, th those have to be upheld. So wherever religious principles are being upheld, then uh, by any group, that, that it should foster. Uh, because if you can't have law-abiding, morally sound citizens, no country is going to make it. It's going to be taken over by gangsters. Uh, and if you have good lawyers, you can get away with it. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this, is, this is the thing. So this is the, the sign of Maharaj Prikshit's uh, reign. What, what happens that you see here in, when, when he's going on this, this, uh, this tour to see that things are being done correctly, he, he encounters uh, a cow and a bull. And this cow and the bull, the bull is religious principles and the cow is the earth and how the earth is suffering. He's astonished to see that under his reign, uh, these animals which are to be protected, they're praja, they're citizens, and especially these two, because they make civilization possible. When you have agriculture and uh, you protect the cows and the bulls, that means uh, one person can support many people with food grains by agriculture. There's a surplus. And when you have a surplus, then you can have people who are doing other things than just staying alive. Uh, and, 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 and so they need to be protected. Uh, and because 
He says it says here that the 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 the, the cow is the is the idea of a natural symbol of the earth. That means there's some connection uh, between the, the, these animals and, and and religious principles. On the one hand, the bull representing dharma, and and the cow representing the earth. There, there's some connection. These are like subtle subtler natural laws. And so the sign of Kali is the abuse of both cows and bulls. You, this is an agrarian uh, civilization. I, industry is a kind of a minor occupation. It's not the whole thing. Uh, and, and Prabhupada really, in the Bhagavatam, he says factory is another name for hell. And when the when the West began to industrialize, there were people who protested it also. William Blake, you know, the dark satanic mills, polluting and and uh, sullying England's green lands. You know, that's what he called them, dark satanic mill. Mill means a factory. You know, because factories originally, they would make things, places where people manufacture. You know, use your hands to to make things, and then. They started becoming animated when you had a water wheel, and therefore things could go around, and therefore you had a mill. That's why they're all called mills, a mill town. Uh, and so, so even before there were steam engines, there were mill towns because of the water mills. And then when you had steam engines, you could then run the mills without, without, uh, without water. This in our mind is progress so we'll see what happens <laughs> but, uh, but so this is the dark satanic mills and so Prabhupada has some diatribes in here against factories and the development the exploitation of labors not being cared for because in the Varnashram system there were shudras there were laborers but they they got everything they need. They were cared for by, by, by the Vaishyas and the Kshatriyas to make sure they were not abused and had their rights. But then suddenly they became not cared for and they became exploited. That's why uh, you, you, the, the history of the West uh, is a kind of history uh, of a, 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 a collapsing uh, system of, 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 of Varna. Because Prabhupada said that Varnashram Dharma is natural. And when I looked around, I didn't see it. And when I saw newspaper reporters, I thought, what kind of a Varna is it? Is it a writer? He's not an intellectual. What kind of Varna is a newspaper reporter, a journalist, or things like that? I just didn't make sense. But Prabhupada said it was natural. And I started to try to look for it, and I, I began to do some historical research uh, to, to, to figure this out. Because to me it was a big shock, you know, because everything I'd looked up as progress and going forward now turns out to be the opposite. And uh, I wrote to it what I discovered uh, to Prabhupada, and he said that what I've said is, is, is right. He asked me not to speculate too much about history. <laughs> he said, what you have said is right. Um, uh, 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 and 
what, what really happened, because if it's natural, is that in the West, uh, when, when, you, when you had European civilization sort of really get going out of the ruins of the Roman Empire, it was really then a, a Christian civilization. Uh, and the, the head of the church uh, was the Pope. That's the Brahmanas. Uh, and there were monks everywhere. And the European kings had as their ministers clergy advisors because they were the intellectuals. Universities, university gowns are monks' robes. Even the day when you graduate, you wear a gown. That's what that goes back to because originally education was for, for brahmanas and brahmacharis. Uh, that's, that's, so that, that's why they're all monks. And this, so, but to me, the, the difficulty with the West, as far as I could see, is that the head of the church, uh, the Roman Catholic Church in Europe, uh, the Pope, was also a king. Because he, what's now the Vatican, you know, 300 acres or something like that, was originally a big state of northern Italy and parts of what's now Austria and and uh, other countries. You know, it was a he had a big place. He had a, he had a state, uh, and so the the king was also he was like a king, and you can see how the Pope actually was treated like a, a king. Uh, he wore a crown, and and, and the Vatican is vic right next to Rome. Right now, is sort of enveloped by Rome. Uh, but to 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 have the papacy became the object of the major Roman families, and, and so there was this this difficulty. Then they wanted to have sons, and what became cardinals were the Pope's illegitimate sons, and always known as nephews. And, and so this was a problem with, 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 with the church, was this mixture right away. And, and so what you had, what amounts to historically, is a rebellion in Europe uh, uh, of the, the Kshatriyas against the Brahmanas. And what that rebellion uh, we study as, as, as the Protestant Reformation. It starts out as a kind of uh, attempt to purify the church. I mean, Martin Luther, for example, the biggest Protestant person, didn't want. He was an Augustinian monk. He didn't want to split with the church. But when he began to criticize the Pope, uh, the German kings and what's now Germany uh, got behind him because they were upset too because the Pope was going throughout. First of all, when the European kings looked at their lands, huge amounts of it were owned by the church. When people would die, they would leave their estates to the church. They had huge monasteries. The monasteries many times had mills and they were businesses too. And you know, so the monasteries were very rich. And they look at their land and they, who owns all this land? So eventually, well, anyway, so the, first you had this Protestant Reformation when where different people wanted to purify the church and to, to make it more pure again. But the German kings took advantage of it and kind of made a separation and they got their own uh, little thing. 
and then when Henry VIII in England also found the, you know, he had his own motives uh, to get married again, and we'd been divorced a couple of times, and that's not allowed, so they, you know, wanted to get married again. And so he split with the church. But the other thing about Henry VIII was he took all took over all these church properties and divided all those lands among his allies. So there was this other motives too. This is what was going on. Uh, and, and, and so this was the Protestant Reformation really ended up being, as a part of a broad social movement, a rebellion of Kshatriyas against Brahmanas. And that was the Protestant Reformation. But then at the same time, the, the Kshatriyas were hereditary nobilities. And meanwhile, the mills were bigger there, the Vaishas, the tradespeople, they were coming up and getting more powerful. And then they had these uh, uh, hereditary kings. How do they, we're really making all the money now. We've had some technology. We've got ships sailing around the world. We've got colonies, you know, all these things. And so the next thing was a rebellion of the Vaishas against the Kshatriyas. This is epitomized in the American Revolution and the French Revolution. That's was that the, 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 the big landowners and slave owners in America, they were all Vaishas. They didn't want to be uh, loyal to kings anymore. They wanted to get rid of kings. That inspired the French. Diderot, one of the French uh, thinkers who was in favor of the French Revolution, said, mankind will never be free until the last king is strangled with the intestines of the last priest. You notice king and priest together, right? They read the enemy. You know, that was, that was the French Revolution. And so the Vaishas became big. America is basically a Vaisha country. Uh, Calvin Coolidge, the, one of our presidents, once said famously, the business of America is business. He said. And so then the Vaishas, you know, they are ruthless. Uh, it used to be, uh, there was always child labor, but it was all part of the family working on their own family businesses and farms and things like that, their parents. But suddenly they had mills. And then as the course of this development, there were steam engines and you had factories. And then you had child labor not being taken care of by their by their uh, parents, not be simply cheap labor that we could use any way we want, just exploit them as much as possible, you know. So uh, that was the that was prompted the the uh, next rebellion, which was of the the Shudras against the Vaishas, which is epitomized in the socialist and communist revolutions. That's been our history has been this decay, this decay of somewhat of a natural Varna ashram system. I wrote to Prabhupada about this before the Soviet Union went down. And by the way, I kept doing research to find out, you know, whether this was a sound uh, uh, analysis, and it, it is. <laughs> 
maybe one day I'll publish it all, but if I live long enough. But, but, but uh, I was actually going to write a doctoral dissertation on it, but I couldn't get the professors to, they said, this is too big, you know, you have, this is a life work, not a doctoral dissertation. So, but any, anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, when it, when the Soviet Union went down, I thought now it's going to be Vaishas again. My prediction was maybe it'll go the other way. You know, maybe we're going to have the Vaishas uh, get big again. And then somehow or other, you know, maybe there will be some actual kshatriyas to, to bail them out in the end when they when they screw up. And anyway, the Vaishas have really come up big, huh? We call them now oligarchs. Oligarchy means government by the rich, and kleptocrats, government by thieves. And as you can see. Right now, what we are seeing, there's a kind of a transnational and international oligarchy which owns almost everything. That's, that's what's happened right now. And every, nobody can quite figure out how to get out of such a situation. Uh, and, but uh, 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 that's where we stand. Anyway, that's, that was my prophecy, and at least so far, that's been borne out, and, and, and it's a little hard to know what's going to happen. This is Kali Yuga. This is Kali Yuga. That, that, but it starts with this mistreatment, uh, the exploitation uh, uh, without taking care of people, of either animals, plants, the earth. And it's gone so far, it's gone so far, that, that I don't think any oligarchy is going to be able to correct it. You're going to have to have some, some people, I mean, a kshatriya, uh, they're into uh, following duty and principles. They're principled people uh, and, and, and who, who actually are willing to, I mean, to be a kshatriya, you have to really be able to actually put your life on the line to protect others. Not everybody wants to do that. <laughs> but that's that's what a, 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 a kshatriya is, and, and so, as it says here, in the text state all the kings will be irreligious shudras. They they will not follow dharma, and they'll just be exploitation. And 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 Prabhupada's statement about what Bhagavatam is for for uh, was. It's it's to he's bringing it to the West uh, uh, to remedy the disastrous course of a misdirected world civilization because there's globalism, but Krishna consciousness has become global too. But that was that's what he saw the mission of Bhagavatam, not just for a bunch of people to have another religion but to correct the course of civilization in the world. And my, as far as those of us who are devotees of Krishna, as we become more and more able to follow correctly and exemplify uh, what is a, a Vaishnava and therefore Brahmanas, we will find out that Krishna will make give us the opportunity it's going to happen. There is going to be a golden age of Krishna consciousness. It's going to go back up again. 
uh, and, and uh, that's going to happen. If, if we don't do it, somebody else will. Uh, but the idea of, of taking Krishna consciousness out of its natal ground and in, in, in basically Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Bengali Vaishnavism, and making it into a world religion, that only started with Bhaktivinoda Thakur uh, and, and got it so far. And then Bhakti Siddhanta got it further. They actually had people going to London and Europe and other places for, you know, spreading Krishna consciousness. And you can see that Bhakti, uh, that, that, that Prabhupada, uh, Bhakti Siddhanta got, got it that far. And then Prabhupada actually kind of, there was a hiatus, uh, mostly for World War II, but Prabhupada you know, took it up again and got it even further. Uh, so we, we, we have to carry this on. Krishna's in charge of timing, but the future can be changed. Uh, I, I'd, I'd just like to interject one thing before we get back to the text. At one point, uh, Prabhupada in the early days was uh, telling us uh, that uh, there was going to be a second, there was going to be a, a, a nuclear war. Uh, he was uh, telling the devotees that it would start between uh, Pakistan and India. Uh, they would begin to fight, and then uh, Russia would come in uh, on the side uh, uh, of India and the United States on the side of Pakistan. These were the Cold War alliances, and there would be a nuclear war. And he was telling about this. And devotees were freaking out. I mean, and they were asked, Prabhupada, what should we do? Should we get fallout shelters? Shall we make uh, places, safe places? Fine. People were looking for places where there would be no fallout and all that kind of stuff. Prabhupada said, no, you just practice Krishna consciousness. But there were fallout shelters and all kinds of other different things going. It didn't happen, that nuclear war. And I was curious about that, so I, I asked Rupanuga, who was, I was a temple president then, he was the, my GBC. I said, did Prabhupada say why it didn't happen? He says, I don't know, I'll find out. And so he talked to Prabhupada, and he told me, I asked him your question, you know, why did this, what happened to the nuclear war? And he said, Krishna changed his mind. That's what he said. Krishna changed his mind, which to me was very, very interesting idea because I, I, well, can Krishna change his mind? Well, of course, he's all powerful. He can change his mind. But that, what that means is the future, what, what he knows is broadly there, but, but, but still the details can be changed. The detail, Krishna can change his mind, and that means the future is to some extent objectively indeterminate. That there will be a golden age of Krishna consciousness. Because Prabhupada has said this, you can do it, and if you don't do it, somebody else will. In other words, think of, of Krishna's mercy coming to us like water rolling downhill. You know, a little trickle of water going down the side of a slope. It takes the path of least resistance. It'll get to the bottom, but we'll go to the right or the left, depends on there's a block or not a block. 
So the less obstacles we have in ourselves of, of Maya, uh, that's where it will go. But it's going to go downhill. So Krishna's mercy, this Krishna consciousness, that will come. Whether in Prabhupada said you should do it and get the credit, otherwise somebody else will. That's what he said. So Krishna had changed his mind on that one. Uh, and there's another story about I saw something happen about why I think that was, but that's another story. But but uh, we'll get on with this purport again. So so then in in the in the again going back to the uh, 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 first canto. Uh, uh, the uh, he says that, uh, uh, that, that, that 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 what he sees is Dharma, who's in the form of a bull, and it mentions that this that he sees this very low-class man, this really Shudra, beating a bull, and he's shocked. This never happened in his kingdom that any kind of thing like a bull or a cow were abused and he sees these animals are suffering uh, uh, and uh, what is this happening? And then it says, uh, and this is Prikshit saying to the bull, in the age of satya, truthfulness uh, uh, is in brackets here, your four legs were established by the four principles of austerity, cleanliness, mercy, and truthfulness. So these are the legs of Dharma. Tapa, Socham, Daya, and Satyam. Tapaha, austerity. That's a virtue. Who believes that anymore, huh? It's bad for the economy. <laughs> austerity, Socham, uh, cleanliness, uh, daya, mercy, and, and satyam, uh, uh, truthfulness. Uh, uh, so Prabhupada has a... Uh, and then he says to Dharma, uh, these four uh, legs are established, but it appears that three of your legs are broke, broken due to rampant irreligion in the form of pride in the form of lust for women, or vice versa, and intoxication. Uh, 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 so, uh, uh, he says, uh, Prabhupada says, these four principles of advanced civilization were remarkable features in the age of Satya. In that age, every human being was practically a qualified Brahmana on the highest order. But in the social life, they were all Paramahamsas, or the topmost in the renounced order. In other words, everyone was a Brahmana, and there were the highest of the Brahmanas called Paramahamsas. That was the one thing. Uh, but gradually, he says, as the basic principle of Brahminical culture, namely austerity, cleanliness, mercy, and truthfulness, became curtailed by proportionate development of pride, Attachment for women or intoxication is for women just read sex object because it goes both ways. Uh, the, the path of salvation or the path of transcendental 
uh, bliss retreated far, far away from human society. Uh, and then he goes on and describes these habits uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, greed and uh, 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 women becoming more and more uh, uh, undressed in their natural look uh, uh, things. Uh, uh, addicted to drinking wine, smoking, uh, chewing tobacco, uh, 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 he says that these are the things that are advancing. And he says, uh, man cannot check all these evils simply by statutory acts and police vigilance. We've been trying, right? But he can cure the disease of the mind by proper medicine namely advocating the principles of Brahminical culture over the principles of austerity, cleanliness, mercy, and truthfulness. What it means is there has to be a cultural change, not just a political change. You just add laws and it just finds new ways of cheating, new ways of, uh, under, uh, 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 of evading. Uh, 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 you know, you make, you make all these laws against intoxicants and they find other ways uh, uh, and so here he goes on and gives his his ideas of how to, uh, and, and so finally he said, Prichard says to the, to the bull, "You are now standing on one leg only." I'm reading from text 25, 117, 25. You are now standing on one leg only, which is your truthfulness. And you are somehow or another hobbling along. But quarrel personified, flourishing by deceit, is trying to destroy that leg. I mean, guess what just happened to Facebook? <laughs> deceit. And now nobody knows what's true or what's false anymore. You know? And... Uh, so these are the things that are, that are increasing. Uh, he said that Prabhupada says, the principles of religion do not stand on some dogmas or man-made formulas, but they stand on four primary regulative observances, namely austerity, cleanliness, mercy, and truthfulness. The mass of people must be taught to practice these principles from childhood. Anyway, it goes on. So Prabhupada wanted to have ISKCON as a society, places where these are practiced. And I think uh, we find out, at least my experience was, I thought that they were doing that until I moved into the temple. And then I found out, you know, that a lot of devotees were struggling and, and hiding it and, and failing and falling down and, and, uh, and, uh, uh, all kinds of uh, path, pathological things were developing. So I, I think that first of all, we have ourselves to become committed to these processes and to actually do them. They're not only moral principles, they're, 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 they're also principles of knowledge. If a lot of what we are told is true about transcendence, if you really want to check it out for yourself and see if it is true, you have to use the method. 
you know, doing, uh, playing with chemistry is not going to do it. We have a different kind, we, we, uh, material science deals with the world insofar as you can express it in terms of numbers. That's basically what it comes down to. Uh, and that's very useful, uh, but it isn't all that there is. And it, some things are hidden because of this. And what one needs is a cleaner, more alert state of consciousness so that you can have, uh, uh, well, what Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, pratyaksha mavagamam. It gives you, this Dharma gives you pratyaksha. It means, pratyaksha means right in front of your eyes. Direct experience. That's what he means by the science of Krishna consciousness, the science of self-realization. It's direct experience. And when you have that experience, you talk to other people who are doing the same practices, you'll find out you pretty much agree. And that, that absolute truth that you begin to apprehend, people, some will see Brahman, some will see Paramatma, some will see Bhagavan. Okay, but we can accommodate all those differences because there's also Savishesha, there's variety in the absolute truth. Uh, so we have that science. And I, I personally am convinced that with that science, since Krishna is that which being known, all of the things become known, the world, this, even this material world will begin to be discerned in, in, in ways we never had noticed before. Actually, even material science will become a, a, improved very much. We'll see how it works. Uh, but that, that will be a, a you know, a, 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 a godly science. A and these traits uh, 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 will, will, will uh, uh, be developed. Prabhupada says here, but you have to start with cleansing the mind. You cleanse the consciousness. And then when consciousness becomes clean, it also expands. You can perceive things that you had not before been able to perceive. Your consci our consciousness, we are part and parcel of the Supreme Consciousness and with the same qualitative nature and therefore you can also begin to have uh, what people have called religious experience. Uh, there's other things I believe that we'll find out too. You know, like, like the yoga cities are not miracles. And Prabhupada had said that. Miracle simply means you don't know how it's done. They're, they're, they're natural. People can develop also those kinds of things. That's part of this, uh, this science that we are, uh, we are in here. So this is the, uh, the, the, what Prabhupada is. We are learning this from the Bhagavatam. Because our idea is to use this as our handbook for uh, the golden age of Christian consciousness. We have this Bhagavatam because of Lord Chaitanya, and Lord Chaitanya made it possible for us to have access uh, to Krishna. Otherwise, we couldn't have done it. It's too high, really, really high. I mean, these people in former ages were so much smarter than we are, really. They could memorize 
volumes and volumes and volumes of Vedic literature perfectly. Uh, we don't recognize that anymore because we don't have to know anything. All we got to know is how to look it up. Uh, you type it in. So this is a decay, not, not, not making us better, it's making us worse. Anyway, I guess we have to stop now, huh? I meant to go further. <laughs> we, we, we will continue in this exploration of Kali Yuga and uh, uh, see what happens. So, anyway, <laughs> Uh, it doesn't take us too far afield, actually. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll learn about uh, Chanakya Pandit uh, next week. <laughs> Krishna. So we have any questions or comments? You can get directions what to do for that with our modern technology. If you have a question and you're on Mayapur TV, you can type in your question in the right-hand side um, chat box. Or you can go to rsdasa.com. That's Ravindra Subaru's website. And there's a chat box in the lower right-hand corner there. You can type in your question. Um, if you're on the phone, you can press star six. And that will unmute yourself so you can ask a question on the phone. And if you're on Facebook, feel free to type in a question into the comment section underneath the video. And those will be read aloud as well. Um, to begin with... Uh, I'll just uh, say a quick comment by Ramashwar Prabhu. He says, very interesting way of understanding history, a Kshatriya rebellion against Brahmanas, then rebellion of Vaishyas against Kshatriyas and Shudras versus Vaishyas. Brilliant analysis. And um, Vijay Krishna Prabhu, he asks, uh, marriage between partners of the same sex is considered progressive in some countries. And they even are allowing adoption by these couples. How harmful can it be being a son or daughter of parents of the same sex? We'll have to see. <laughs> I have no idea uh, where we're going here. And in some ways I have to say, again, you need a societal change. I don't think you can come and like get on people's case uh, for uh, th 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 this kind of activity. Because, because, because what we have done uh, is, and it's, it's, a, it's an artifact of modern life, is the separation of, of sex from reproduction. That's, that was what the, the we, we've really, we've really divided these from each other. Uh, and uh, that, that's what problem, but to, to, to do this, but, but you can see it's all hooked up to the whole thing because before the Industrial Revolution, children were an asset because if the family was a unit of production and not just a unit of consumption, children were an asset. They were your labor force. If, if you didn't have children, what were you going to do? But, but, but the family enterprise, whether it's agriculture or business or even uh, rulership, whatever it was, your children were your labor force. They were trained to take the, this part. So having children was good. Uh, 
But when families, when industrialization took place, uh, what you see from the statistics is that that uh, the the, uh, the birth rate uh, goes way down, uh, and and uh, children are no longer an, an asset. So right now, what children are for most people in advanced industrial countries is a very expensive hobby. Uh, so uh, again. Uh, when you try to just to do one part of the puzzle, you're not going to see it work out very well. Uh, uh, I, I don't think this experiment in human society is going to work out very well either. But we'll have to see how it how the how it plays out. And people don't have children, you know. Oh, can you afford them? Can you have four children? People say, how can you afford children? They're so expensive. You know, it's a disaster to have too many children. And we usually think of in America as something that people in third world countries do because they're still rooted in the agrarian past. As soon as they become more and more industrial, they live off the land, they move into cities, they work in factories, suddenly no children. We just experienced some technical difficulties that the Mayapur TV server seems to have stopped. Um, so, no more questions. <laughs> no more questions, huh? It did, huh? And I don't see any on. Okay. Conference. I'll try. Uh, we're going to talk about Chanakya Pandit next time. We'll do that. We'll get a little further because he's mentioned now in this narration uh, and now we're into history that we can recognize and uh, see some of it anyway. Uh, uh, so we'll do that there. Oh, okay, we should sign off now. Uh, I apologize to all those people who are on Mayapur TV. I don't know. <laughs> they can't hear me apologize. <laughs> but uh, that's globalism for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Things don't always work. Okay. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai.